story. Welcome to Pilot Boys. My name is Caesar. I am your host. Today I have two guests, Karen. Hi. And Gab. What up? I had this whole bit about... Uh, Let's hear it. But we had to do the top five albums. Thing. Oh, okay. At some point in this podcast, we will talk about our top five. Sure. Today we're doing High Fidelity, the new Hulu series. Mm-hmm. Right after uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, right? Yeah. So we're actually thinking of coupling it, but so this is, I guess, part two of this recording attempt. Zoe deserves her own pod, you know, I think. <laughs> she got a lot to say. So today, we're, did I say we're doing High Fidelity? Yes, you did. But say it again. Um, but what are we doing? We're doing High Fidelity. So high Fidelity. Gab. Yes. My friend. Yes. You approached me saying you wanted to do the show. I did. I think I approached you a while ago, too. Yeah. I was like, hey. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your relationship with the movie, the book, the show. Yeah. The so movie. it started out with the book. Uh, I read the book when I was 16 years old. I think I was probably drawn to the cover art, the original cover art. The cover art is is now... A TV show. Yeah, it's Zoe Kravitz, which I don't know why that always bothers it me do. when they do that. I just read like, uh, the As I Lay Dying, Yeah, and I had the James Franco movie. Yeah, it's like, it's like, why? I guess that's their way to like sell books, you yeah. know, but I'm just like... Anyway, so it was a very like, it was a very like 90s kind of cover. There was like orange and like neon green and it was this very specific font. And so I think I was probably drawn to that immediately. When I originally tried to read it though, probably it was like a freshman in high school or something like that. I think it just went over my head a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like... uh the maybe the way it was written because it's written in a very sort of british vernacular i guess in that sense uh but also just like the subject matter you know mm-hmm. it was like it was about like a dude like in his late 30s or something like that yeah. and you also mentioned that it like helped you or taught you how to appreciate well yeah that was the other aspect once i kind of got into it more i felt like it was it helped me sort of develop understand what it was like to appreciate culture a certain way and kind of really you know like think about it a certain way yeah like thinking critically about culture yeah yeah and this is this is very much like pre-internet you know it was before i started reading sort of you know lots of music criticism maybe aside from like rolling stone or whatever else was like available to me at that time mostly magazines and what have you but it was like the it was the way they framed it the the top five the the listing of it too as well was so how did it feel visiting the or like how did it feel watching the show like well what were you you hoping for or expecting yeah yeah i i mean i don't really know what i was expecting it's hard to say now I don't. I never want to place too much importance on something that I'm unfamiliar with, something new that's coming out. Because like, what if it sucks? You yeah. know. So it's like you wanna. I want to go in open. You know. I don't. I don't want to. I didn't want to immediately go in and like shit on it or something. You yeah. know, because obviously, like they're trying something new. Casting Zoe Kravitz as the lead and 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 people of color representation and that's obviously super important to me. Yeah. You know, so I want to value that as much as possible. So. So you went in with an open mind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I try to do, you know. Uh, but also trying to like 
balance whatever expectations I had before too, sort of internally, I guess, you know? So uh, you watched, I mean, you read the book before you watched the movie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So what did you think, Karen? Did you have a relationship with, you watched the movie, right? I watched the movie, yeah. Like, what did I think going into this? Yeah, like, talk about your experience with the movie, I guess. And yeah. Well, how, how it felt watching the show. And we can get into this later. But, like, I, I, my relationship with this, with the movie in general was a lot of the guys that I dated always ranked this movie as, like, the top five movies that, like, they love. And I always yeah. felt that this was, like, a very safe choice for, like, them to pick it because mm-hmm. it's like oh like it says a lot about them like oh i'm obviously yeah. in tune with my emotions right because i like this rom-com like sure. it's kind of it's a type of person uh, yeah 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 so it's i felt that it was a very specific type of person that really likes high fidelity and like it's kind of part of their identity uh so once I watched that after having dated those guys mm-hmm. so like okay you really like this this movie i'm gonna watch it i watched it and so that's kind of how like it's packaged for me. Like right. it takes me back to that time. So going into this, so like your lens was annoying guys like this. Movie. Yeah, like sad know. boys, sad boys like this. Movie. Sad fuck boys. Sad yeah. boys. Sad boys for Port Vida. <laughs> <laughs> that's you, fool. I mean, I'll cop to it, sure. <laughs> but it's an entertaining movie. Like I, I, I like John Cusack. Like it's he's he's cool. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Can you can you give me can you dissect the sad boy category a little bit more? Like what is that? Yeah. What does that consist mm. of? I mean, so, I know what it consists of. Well, what it, well you're so you didn't you do, just said you didn't do the you didn't do the online dating thing, huh? No, I missed that wave. So part just of it, barely part of it a lot of time, and I don't know if I'm I don't mean to speak for you, but you have to create a profile that like says your favorite shit sometimes or like okay. the kind of shit you right. like. Are there like starter questions? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or like when you first start talking to people. Yeah. I mean, we did the same thing. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I got people, you. You like tell them your favorites or whatever, but right. Like I, when I think of High Fidelity, I actually think of like one specific dude. Okay. And his like favorite movies were like, uh, I can't remember, but one of them was Bicycle Thieves and then another of one course. was okay. High Fidelity. And yeah. so that is the idea of the kind of guy that I have. Yeah in my mind as like a sad and he was like a sad boy this guy like constantly tried to show off that he like knew more about film than i did dang yeah good thing you moved on from that (laughs) yeah it was yeah (laughs) which is kind of you know it's funny that you describe that guy as that way because that would probably be the same like john cusack's character would probably use that. Yeah, like, like it just seems like flirt, you know, like it seems almost like like Ouroboros. John Cusack, like this guy is in touch with his feelings, <clears throat> but he also knows how to get like he also fucks around. Yeah, and like that's how I want to be. So one of the things that I said last time, the last pod that is lost, um, <laughs> is that the the movie felt like kind of like a like a lost episode of in in the John Hughes cinematic universe. Yeah. you know, like it right. felt either like a swan song or kind of like one of the. The, the one that, like, goes more into, like, the college <laughs> side of it. Or adulthood, even. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, yeah, it, it very much captured a type. Like, it captured an era, I would say. Or, like, it captured a phenomenon. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But, yeah, I feel like I've met people, present company included, mm-hmm. who, like, really <laughs> like that movie. And, like, it meant a lot to them. Yeah, I'm not saying anything against you, Gab. No, I mean... I enjoyed, there was a point in my life where I enjoyed the film, definitely. And I, I think I probably own the DVD. But I don't know, like, I wouldn't, 
I like, wasn't your identity. No, no. I think sure. it was just something I could easily relate to. Sure. You also, know? It's like comfort food almost. Yeah. Yeah. You we know? should say for the record that like I don't think these people actually identified as that. We're just like making assumptions about Sure. Well, what do you Here's what do you mean? The, who who are you referring to when you say that? So well, the person I'm referring to, or the type of person, is yeah. like a sad boy who like uses their sadness to kind of like disarm and hopefully result in sex or something. You know, yeah. like mm. that's the kind of person. But also, like it's it's as I said, it's like I don't know if I ever did that. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe <laughs> it's like a type I don't think of I had enough game for some. <laughs> Like at this point, it's kind of like a trope. Like people just do that. Like they use. It. Sure. Yeah. It's like the sad, nice guy. You yeah. know. Like yeah. The what, sad, so smart. what does that look like now? Does it still exist? I think it still exists. I, yeah. I think very much. A lot of that. I think that that is like a proto hipster. Except mm. it doesn't have like the same kind of like. I feel like you're speaking in like monoliths right now, my friend. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But like, I think that, okay. So like what we think of as like a modern hipster right like yeah it's both in attitude and in dress sure but the attitude is kind of like i like these things more than you like them so the, there's and a there's a through there's line. an elitism yes absolutely yeah, yeah baked yeah. into like hipsterism there is this elitism sure yeah it's i think the... shit like this kind of help mold at least culturally yeah yeah there's there's definitely that element to it uh, yeah. at the same time but if you want to break it down even more i mean it's a mass marketed piece of culture you know so it's like how elitist could you really be based off of something like that i mean and i'm not looking for a response you know i'm yeah. just i'm just i'm just posing you know sure but like that's the thing it's that People attach so much meaning to it yeah. sure. that they make it think that they they think that that movie is for them, you know, yeah. or like yeah, or this specific thing is yeah. their whole identity. So yeah. say shit like but that, I mean, like, people do the same thing with like yeah. Rick and Morty, Lord of the Rings, of course. But yeah. those are yeah. like different. Like we can kind of think about we're tying specific identities to cultural products here, or like we're right? we're making assumptions about a type of person who likes yeah. this. Right. Which, I mean, she explained her experience for sure. like dealing with that. Dude. Sad boys. Anyway, getting back to the show. <laughs> so, what did you think about the first episode? I really liked it. I think it was exactly the same and totally different mm -hmm. from the movie, mm -hmm. which was it was refreshing. Zoe Kravitz is great, and I hate her, but I love her. I'm mad that I love her so much. Yes. Do you guys think this is the best thing she's done? Yes. Yes. I kind of do too. You know, I think like this, this is like, I mean, I, I think before we, we had a hard time even identifying other things that she had, uh, mm -hmm. she had done. You well, know, this is the first time she's like leading something. Check. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's able to kind of carry it yeah. in that respect. So in terms of Zoe Kravitz, I was a little like, I don't know how to feel about it because her past work. Mm hmm. And this is something we talked about in the last pod, but her past yeah. work just kind of like, I wasn't super impressed. Like, I just thought that she was just, she just had like a cult of personality. Like, sure. everybody liked her because of who she, you know, her mom was Lisa Bonet, her yeah. dad was Lenny Kravitz, and she was in right. things. And like, she was starting to pop up a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But nothing had ever left like a lasting impression. I think the thing that 
was their biggest, I guess, thing that I'd seen was uh, Big Little Lies. But the last season was just whatever. To whatever. Me. Yeah. And she was the lead in that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like with you, you have such like strong, again, personalities, you know, with a show like that. Essentially, you have some of the most famous American actresses, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it would be hard to kind of hold your own, especially when you're the youngest or one of the youngest. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. I mean, Shailene also that, that show was like... like yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say is I don't know if I've seen anything else that she's done where I can point to and be like, that's her show, you know, like... Mm. And this, I totally feel like this is her show, you know. I mean, obviously, because she's, she's the narrator, Sure. Mm -hmm. It's it's in her voice and her tone. This show or this, I guess, IP needs that like sweet spot of like emotional stuff and also like about culture. Yeah. Is that what resonated with you the most when you were like growing up? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Especially the cultural thing. Would it be a stretch to say that you're kind of romantic? Oh no, not at all. I don't think that's a stretch. Would it be a stretch to call John Cusack's character romantic at heart? Mm, maybe like warped sense of yeah romance. yeah yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's accurate and especially if you're if you're speaking kind of in the narrative that you mentioned before about john hughes the characters that he played as well in yeah. the in the john hughes universe were considered you know they were they were all kind of seen that way we're talking about and maybe anything, right? what's that say anything and um I feel like there's those are the only two movies I know high fidelity and say okay okay I mean he was in other John Hughes he was in other films in the 80s that that weren't John Hughes films but there's there's traces of the character too as well Mm -hmm. like another one is better off dead which is a really like wacky one but going back to John to go to get the Cusack point maybe perhaps more to what you were saying before with regards to myself and my identity uh at that point in time yeah there was probably some of that for me you know with some of those john hughes characters the lloyd dobler the lloyd dobler is the the say anything character Mm -hmm. as well because it's like these characters are extremely like emotional and they're vulnerable they like and 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 they they can you know kind of deal with romance but they're also extremely like um they can speak really well like okay. the the dialogue in those films are and, and, and everybody says that about john hughes films too i think to a certain extent um i didn't grow up with them so i didn't sure sure yeah that wasn't my thing but i mean eloquent the that's way, the way yeah, i'm thinking or like yeah so uh, comparisons to the movie i think this this is where you get to see where the show shines like you can mm-hmm. see some of the the like little tweaks that they made that like I think make the show more compelling in some places. Right. Like I think the gender flipping makes it not as loaded sometimes. Yeah. Like because like now watching which we did we watched High Fidelity two weeks ago mm-hmm. in preparation for this. Right. Um, and a lot of it is very loaded in like a gendered way, like in a way where it's just like sure he thinks that he's he's like in love with them. He's probably just infatuated with them. Yeah. But in like his own, in like a way where it's like very toxic or like right. It's only they're objects essentially. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think in this, it doesn't feel as pointed. It feels more like, in some ways, casual. In some ways, yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Well, and this also has the luxury, you know, to kind of 
address some of those issues too yeah. as well. Is, do you think that the show is working actively to do that? What do you think, Karen? I think so because in the movie, the relationship he has, the relationships he's had are treated like if there were other like albums. Right. Right. Like there's like or a playlist of his life. Whereas here I feel they they feel like people and they were relationships and there was a period of time for her. They just feel like more lived in. Yeah. Where and I think that's how the show circumvents the problem of like objectifying people. Yeah. The way that the movie did. Mm. Do you think because this is like obviously like an updated version, right? Like this mm-hmm. is taking place now. Do you think that part of the reason, like, do the characters feel more? Do you think the characters feel more real because we can identify with them more, like culturally, in a sense? Do you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they're more like diverse. Yeah, yeah. The people for sure. that she's dating are types of people that yeah. we've encountered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, we're watching a movie that's 20 years old, you know, it might be harder to make those sort of connections, Mm -hmm. I guess. So, I think think one of the things that the the movie did well is it creates types of people. Like, it creates these almost, like... Archetypes. Archetypes of people that you've kind of met. And it does it well. Like, I think in terms of, like, cultural uh, commentary, it does it pretty well. Right. And I think this does the same thing, except it's from multiple perspectives because she's bi yeah and also like and a person of color yeah yeah um mm-hmm. but like i think it the way that like it creates those people mm-hmm. means that like the show or specifically like the ip mm-hmm. had a kind of like in into i don't know like relationships slash the way humans are yeah so i think that that's why the show works because they found that like how could we translate what was what the sh- what the movie was doing for people then and and updated so it makes yeah. sense now mm-hmm. and i think they accomplished that for the most part yeah because it does kind of create these like can i pose another question to sure. you guys though are these realistic representations of relationships though romantic relationships <sighs> i don't think so Mm-mm. yeah but i think that's where that kind of like estimations of people kind of come mm-hmm. in. Like, yeah. it's more supposed to be like a stand-in for yeah. a type of relationship. Yeah. Right. right. Also, like, she's a narrator, and even in the movie, mm-hmm. like, they're unreliable narrators. Right. So we're all seeing, we're seeing things from their perspective. Yeah. And people are not just, like, one-dimensional there. Right. So to us, they don't seem like real people or, sure. or like, real relationships, right. right? But that's because we're seeing it from her perspective. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Because I can definitely say as a young person watching the movie, reading the books, and not just that's, you know, not just, I'm not singling out this this one piece of culture, but maybe just a lot of things, you know, is that you, you see movies and TVs and you, you, base, you base your notions off of love and romance, mm-hmm. off these kind of, I think, well, these yeah. ideas. And, and then it turns out that, Nah, dog. Like that's not what it's about. It's not, yeah, yeah. that's not how it works. But I think that it kind of fucks you up. You know, in a sense. Off you know? of your point. Yeah, I think this feeds back into what we were talking about with like the type of person whose identity was this movie. Right. It created um, like it gave you a blueprint of the type of person this is. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you get to identify with the pieces that you want to identify with. Right. And I think that's kind of what we're addressing is that like there are people. 
I mean, look at it with like Rick and Morty now. There are people sure. whose identity was like whose identity is Pickle Rick. That show, you know, yeah. you know, like that. Like that's what I'm talking about. Right. Like, I feel like it's still relevant today because it is like it's just it's like a eye rolly kind of person a lot of the time. Yeah. Because like no one's that much of an asshole about culture and is like liked. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, unless you're you're like a. A writer who writes opinions or has a column, but sure, I just mean as a person, she's like not as likable, right? But I think some of that gets softened or padded because she's a woman in this, yeah. Or because she's like, you know, it's like a modern take on it instead mm-hmm. of it being like just mm-hmm. like this, because those the, that is kind of a, a male-dominated space, like the asshole critic yeah. or like yeah. the asshole professional appreciator right right this is something that the show has store perhaps also you know the show has this in its advantage is that she seems more self-aware than john cusack's character Mm -hmm. ever did yeah the fact that she realizes that she's being an asshole when she walks out of the date right i mean also she forgot her phone but like she can admit to him that like yeah i was about to walk out i had i was already out the door yeah. She's confident enough in her abilities to say something like that, whereas it's harder to picture the John Hughes character to do something like that. Mm-hmm. John Cusack. Like he would just try to, oh yeah, sorry, John Cusack. He would just uh, play it off as the cool guy or whatever. Yeah, you know? he would pretend that that never happened. Right, right. So if we base our identity off of these these notions of popular culture that we sort of glom onto at some point in our life, is that consistent with like, toxic behavior <laughs> one way or another in what way i don't know like I, think I know where you're going with this by the way yeah i mean i'm just saying you know like if if we like are we doing anybody any favors when we do that you know mm. Mm. i like it's is it hurting us or yeah making us better yeah like, are you, are you saying that we need to... I don't think it's making us better, for the record, <laughs> are you, you know? Okay, so, are you saying that we need to reassess our relationship with culture? <sighs> I mean, I guess I'm tying it maybe because you were making the comparisons to, like, Rick and Morty and, like, sure. fanboy culture. And, 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 I mean, maybe this to a le- much lesser extent as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And maybe it just, like, I've had time to think about this stuff, you uh-huh. know, as far as that goes. So, like, I'm just wondering. I mean, like, these relationships aren't healthy, you no. know that mm-hmm. we that we have with this stuff so you know and that's all it is really is it's stuff yes you know so this is where i thought you were going with it okay. and this is where you went with it last time yeah so maybe i can like guide you there and you'll, let's go you'll do your you'll, you'll make your point again okay so thank you you are right <laughs> in that like me talking in monoliths is not necessarily a good thing sure it's an assumption sure it is but i think what the show i mean what the show maybe hasn't gotten to make that point in, but the movie for sure makes that point is that like what we like does not make you a better person. Right. And I think that the movie is about growing up and reconciling with the fact that like, just because you like certain things doesn't make you better than someone else. Yeah. But I think people do still really like, they see that one part, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. not like, it's not what you are like, it's what you like, or whatever sure. the quote is. And people are like, fuck yeah, that's me, you know? But they don't actually... S- I feel like the the overall... Kind like of- it's taken in a vacuum. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like the overall message of this is... Muddled. It, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they only... It's like they only... 
<clears throat> well, that's what happens. It's kind of like with Joker, you know, yeah. in that sense, you know? People see this fucked up guy, like, dealing with these issues and trying to make it in the world. But instead of actually seeing, like, all the societal issues that are related to it, yeah. they just think, yeah, I want to be that fucked up guy. Well, yeah. Well, that's the same with Rick Sanchez thing, same too. Same thing with Rick yeah. Sanchez. Same thing with, like... Travis Bickle. Yeah. I mean, even like... Or Fight Club. Right. Also. Yeah. But also to a lesser extent, I think that... You're right. I think that the message of High Fidelity kind of gets lost because people just kind of pick and choose the parts they like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, same thing happened with like Colbert. Like he played a character Mm -hmm. and then people took what he was saying at face value. Yeah. And they identified with it. Sure. It's like... Yeah. I think sometimes the intent of this gets lost. But that's kind of how it works when you're like... I mean, because why high fidelity i think speaks to so many people on a lot of levels is because mm-hmm. it was kind of this piece that uh follows in line or like is part of the tradition of like how do you start to become uh, your own person like, mm-hmm. how do you start to what makes you you or like that it's it's starting to it's dissecting that and yeah i think that the show does it for a modern audience and i think for the most part it accomplishes it for sure um, there are little things that we didn't like, like the the record store thing. Which part? That it had it has one Yelp review. review. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah. She has like a big apartment. Yeah, and, and yeah. Karen and I were kind of talking about the economics of this show are sort of non-existent. You yeah. know, yeah, doesn't make any sense. She's yeah. a college dropout, owns a record store, right, and has this giant apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah, how yeah. does that work? Yeah, it seems like everybody has their own apartment. Nobody has roommates or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. And the one customer that did walk into the store didn't buy anything. Yeah. They like yeah. shoot him away. Yeah. That's like the, that's like the running joke. Like, you know, they're they're such assholes that So again, maybe, you know, it's like So it's an that? unsustainable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But there's I think a lot of this also happens is like you're growing up watching these things. For sure. And there's I think there's a level of like reassurance mm-hmm. when you real when you see something on screen or you consume some kind of like culture or media and you're like oh yes i really like this right this is what i like now and so that gives you confidence in a way that you didn't have before necessarily right so that becomes people's identity and then as you grow up yeah that's when you start to realize wait like yeah there are multiple facets to this right and maybe i didn't see this before sure and i mean i think uh, this is another thing we mentioned last time is a big part of like the kind of era or like the age that john cusack was in the movie Mm -hmm. was where like he was feeling feeling so intensely Mm. and it's about capturing kind of like that time where these feelings felt like they were everything Mm -hmm. but then he he grows up like I, i think the movie is about growing up of course Sure. Um, and it's about like coming to terms with like grow- how growing up doesn't necessarily gel with what you had in mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And specifically through the lens of like relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make sacrifices and you do have to change, you know, the way you look at things in order to be a grown up and have a healthy relationship. Right. Yeah. And I, I think I experienced that, you know, because. Talk about that. Well, so after, you know, really identifying with this kind of, with this movie and book and the whole sort of oeuvre of it, I started working in a record store at one point and I essentially 
in a weird way, at least from what I hear from other people, I sort of became one of those characters Mm. or at least you became the record store guy in a sense, you know, (laughs) like the equivalent of the comic book guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but but okay. But even that response says a lot about you. Sure. Yeah. 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 Just because Caesar knows I have feelings on the comic book guy, so that's why he's just fucking with me. Also, you're the record guy. Me right I need now. to say yeah. for the record that the Caesar reason, loves comics more than I do. That's true. But the reason why I know Gab or Gob is uh, like a true music head is because he says records and not albums. Yeah. Well. Also, we're in his apartment. He's got many records. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you call them vinyls? He just calls them records. Come on. Yeah. Keep oh. up character. I don't know. Is that, is oh, that lingo yeah. or no? I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't even, when you said that, I was like, I don't even realize I do yeah. that. You know, like I just, <laughs> it was probably a conscious effort at some point, And then I'm just like, okay. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's just like. And I think also in a way, it's like me trying to like get away from like Spotify culture too, mm-hmm. you know? Or like iTunes culture where it's just like we're all just like a song on a playlist that we just constantly hit shuffle. Sure. Whereas like I spent a significant amount of my time, you know, in at a certain period of my life making very intricate mixes where one song would lead into the other and yeah. I heard a critique, all that kind of shit, you know? I heard a critique about the show where people didn't like the fact that her playlists yeah. Are supposed to be like the mixtape. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, basically it's like with today's standards, we we have our liked songs, we hit shuffle and that's kind of it. Versus I believe with the Zoe Kravis character, the songs have a very specific order, they play into themselves. And it's kind of a an esoteric notion these days as far as that goes. I don't think I mean have you guys ever made a mix like that as far as that goes? Have you ever felt compelled to make a mix like that? Like a playlist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, like, I think, I wonder if it's a Some might say thing. it's, a, yeah, it's sort of a dying art. I wonder art, if it's a generation. Because you know? I used to do it a lot more, like, for, stu- like, specific mixes or playlists for certain things. Mm-hmm. Like I would have like a study playlist, hip hop and lo-fi beats to study and chill too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Um, I would have a pregame playlist. Okay. So like yeah. Yeah, I would do that. And getting I, uh, getting ready. To yeah, yeah, pre-game yeah, 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 yeah. And then I like it. Like for one, the Michelada list I wrote, I made a playlist and I oh, shit. told them about it. And what happened? You still <laughs> got like it? A, it was just yeah. It was just like a. You sent it to me. Yeah, it to All you. right, cool. I, li- I, w- I read a lot of, I was just telling him this, but I read a lot of fan fiction, specifically okay. Game of Thrones fan fiction. What? <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, this is back before the last season was terrible, okay. but a lot of the fan fiction authors make playlists Ooh. that like, inspired them to write the story Dang. that they wrote. So, yeah. I might have done something like that in my life. <laughs> Evanescence. It wasn't specifically fan fiction. So, it was okay. Short stories, but. We're getting off topic. Is it more that, like, you think that making a playlist removes kind of the human element of making mixes? No, I would add. Or is it the discovery of it? What, what is it to you? Well, okay. So, I guess, can we clarify what we mean by mixes versus playlists well, okay, in this so, case? So, in the movie, yeah. there's this character, yeah. Jack Black. I don't remember his name. 
but Jack Black's character plays this very like like a lesser version of, of the Jack Black that we know today. Sure. Which, by the way, we mentioned last. Barry. Time that, His name's Barry. Yes. Yeah. In the show, I'm much. I think I'm much more like Charisse. Charisse. Because yeah. She's she's way more animated in a way that like had Jack Black had the chance to go in his like height of Jack Blackness, mm-hmm. I think he would have added more flair to the character versus her because it's recent she has the she, she's able to just do so much more with it right um so i enjoyed her character a lot but anyway so her character sharice makes playlists as like a one-to-one between like making mixtapes and yeah. making playlists mm-hmm. did you have a problem with, with that or? no no not necessarily um, because I think the character still places emphasis on playing a certain song at a certain time. Mm. You know, it's all very calculated. Gotcha. You know, uh, versus like our liked songs on our Spotify will just fucking hit shuffle. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. And 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 whereas like you know with this with the with the playlist or mix, you know, I use them interchangeably at this point. It's like. You have to follow it. You pick a certain song to begin and end, and you know, yeah, it goes through movements and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I, I, th- I thought it was more like, so the critique that I saw about like making that comparison, yeah, and what I can see or like I can agree with is like, yeah, mixtapes required a lot diff- of time, a lot and more thought. time, and like mm-hmm. it was a different process. Like yeah. now, it's been. It's just like click and, you know, just add. So you're talking about making mixtapes like the analog way. Sure. Okay. Like I felt like there was more of a human element or like more of like a human hand involved. Sure. Like it was more intimate, I would say. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I don't, yeah, I don't think playlists. It was also like a physical thing. It was like something that you gave to somebody. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, as far as. I would say that I've poured over playlist almost as much as I've poured over physical mixtapes before too as well. So I don't think the tactileness, I mean, yeah, it does take away from that. It, there might be some effort that's lost, but, but you're not as interested. I mean, not as much per se. You you just know? like the act of compiling yeah. a list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I will say that I've, probably spent way too much fucking time in my life like doing that shit like i always make the joke that like i was yeah i probably would have done better in high school like i probably would have gotten better grades if i wasn't curating shit you know (laughs) for my own you know personal gain quote unquote trying to get some ass something like that i don't even know if that was it it was probably just the notion of it, you know, yeah. but the notion of some I don't know if I would have known what to do with it if yeah. I did, you know. All right. But see, I, well, so the, the idea of like curation, I did yeah. that a lot as well, but it wasn't necessarily sure. just music. It was like movies or like it was uh, comics, things like that. Like, yeah, I, I always had that. I always had a relationship with curating things. I've mm-hmm. always liked it. And I think that's most of it has to do with, again, art unhealthy relationship with culture where like yeah. we like it a lot more than other people yeah would. but yeah. i think every person who has that kind of relationship with culture thinks that <laughs> they're sure. like i'm the person who likes culture the most yeah and i mean you know like everybody not everybody but there are many of us <laughs> yeah who are obsessive with it but i do think that the, yeah again i do think that there is a difference between like a mixtape felt more involved like there was you spent more time with it. Now it just feels a little less 
personal. It feels kind of impersonal and mm-hmm. just kind of like not as special in yeah. some ways. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. But let's move on to... So wait, can I add sure, one ahead. thing to that? Um, I want to say that I don't think that as much time as as me personally who's spent a lot of time curating and thinking about culture and 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 all of that sense that i don't think it necessarily makes us better people (laughs) per se you know i don't think so either um i've even kind of sat back and asked myself like why am i like this you know Mm -hmm. it almost feels like a tick at, at certain stages in your life you know because it's like it's a distraction in certain cases you know where you should be like focusing on something, you know, uh, mm. to a certain extent. And so just to be devil's advocate, I'm going to disagree. Let's do it. Cause I feel like I've learned so much from culture. Sure. It's made me a better person. Of course. Like it's taught me how to, I don't know, like reconcile with a lot of things. Yeah. In like, like, I mean, it's the whole thing of like, it helps you with relationships, like, uh, breakups or whatever. It helps mm. you like, you know, like those are, it's a comfort. Yeah. And yeah. it's like food is a comfort. Like other things are comfort. I sure. think that, yes, you know, being that type of person isn't helping anybody. But I do think that having that relationship to culture can affect you deeply in a way that can make you a better person. It doesn't always make you a better person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's supposed to necessarily. But I think sometimes you can extract real th- lessons from shit yeah. and sure. like things that help me in life mm. personally yeah yeah what do you think i yeah i don't know if it makes us better people necessarily right but i think that there is it's like empowering to mm. know when you like something sure to know what you like and what you don't like mm-hmm. and i think that's how what my relationship with culture is at least like with movies and stuff like that yeah like, well i like this sure so i, I get a better a better picture of who i am mm-hmm. so that i can better relay that to other people yeah and can i think I, that's really empowering can i throw a question out there yeah mm-hmm. but before you say that okay this show is that the show is me making an effort to try to finesse that obsessive culture you know ness sure into a job like or into something that i care about like yeah it's no i I, I think that it can be distracting and it can make you a bad person but if you find a way to to sure that's that's also like it could be a career no and i feel that and i 100 percent agree with you on that and and i'm right there with you as you know uh as far as that goes so karen you were saying i believe that uh gives you confidence Mm-hmm. right to know that you like something mm-hmm. and as far as all that goes but does it make us is it is it easier to relate to people because mm. i would make the argument that it's less mm. it's not, in some cases it's but sometimes less. it's easier like if you find your people it's like a lubricant like a social yeah, lubricant sure. also like if we have this thing in common then at least we have something to talk sure. about sure so yeah to some respect yes but yeah. then there's a lot of judgment that comes with it like oh like you like this but you've never watched this right or you've never listened to this right let me ask you a question Gabby. okay it sounds like you're having difficulty reconciling with your relationship with culture what do you mean and by like that the way that relates to who you are like in the world like you it sounds like you're having trouble knowing that you're a person who likes things 
so much Mm -hmm. that you're scared that it might scare people away or like you know no i think i'm way past (laughs) (laughs) i mean like i can't this is just who i am now it's like you did sound like like you're doubting something yeah 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 like anxious you're like is this why am I like you? you yeah, yeah. Said, like, no, I know. I, like I, I do. I do legitimately wonder that. I do legitimately wonder that sometimes. Why? Why? <laughs> why am I like this? Why do I like this stuff? Why? Why do I give this stuff so much attention and thought? And In short, like, why are we snobs? I guess. Yeah. You know. I don't know. You know. I mean, but I. I don't know if there's an answer to that per se. You know. Yeah. But I also feel like while this stuff is important to me, I don't know if it's necessarily the end all be all you know Mm -hmm. in a sense okay we'll keep going with that because yeah that's what you're getting to your point last yeah yeah i i kind of feel like that despite what you like i think it's 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 essentially about the human relationships that you maintain in life you know and kind of coming to terms with that you know and the culture i guess in terms of for me where i'm at in my life right now the culture comes secondary. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I told the story before on the last time that we did this and now we're sitting here in the living room and I got all my records back here, which I've spent, you know, the last 20 something years collecting. And I knew, so I have a one year old daughter uh, who's sleeping in the two rooms down or hopefully out, she's Lou. sleeping. Shout out to Lou. And Two weekends ago, she dumped a cup of coffee on the two of the the shelves, and we had to pull them all out and take them all, set them out across the room so they would dry and all that kind of stuff. And first of all, I was kind of like looking at each record, and I was like, "Oh, I remember when I got this, and da da da, and how long it took me, and obsessed over it, and all this stuff." But then also at the same time, as I'm like putting them down, I'm like, "But they're just..." things you know they're just like objects you know essentially so yeah i mean yeah i think that it is kind of a product and it sounds like we're critiquing capitalism in a way like it's our relationship to materials ultimately yeah yeah you know i mean culture is a product Mm -hmm. yeah you know for better or worse yeah absolutely i mean yeah i think that that's but i but but i but 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 we're also talking about art too yes and the art is what we have the emotional connection to. Yes. We just live in a world where essentially but I think the culture that, is commodified. That recognition that you had or that like realization mm-hmm. is kind of ultimately the message of the movie. Like it is kind of like you, you won't always be this way and it won't matter to you as much. Like, right. I don't know. Like it's just feeling you feel feelings less or you have less attachment to certain things specifically. Yeah culture Mm -hmm. like even the one even the culture that you're like oh my god this is like a piece of culture you're like i feel this is the thing that i've cared about the most and then you stop caring about it yeah 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 yeah. you you grow out of these things i think we've all had those moments right and that's definitely my relationship especially to like the movie and the book and all that kind of stuff you know and maybe somebody some young impressionable person will see the show and have a similar relationship to Mm -hmm. it at some point i mean i think that that's or maybe there'll be some like high fidelity fanfic right (laughs) there probably is already well are you writing it (laughs) 
I'm not gonna say. Well, we, we I think we talked about this off mic last time, but I have a sneaking suspicion this is gonna go into a second season. Okay. I don't know. Am I jumping the gun on that? No, the you're ratings? good. We you're didn't. Even, did we do a rating last time? We did. Yeah. Oh, okay, I don't remember. But you're good. This okay. is the second episode. No, this is the first episode. Yeah, I'm just. I just rewound it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. I'm trying to. Well, stay I think that's on, a good way to move topic. into the predictions, and then we'll do the ratings after. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you've watched it already, all of it? No, yes. I haven't watched all. Okay, of it. but it's starting to seem like it, there's going to be a second season. I don't. I just. I just. It's it's more again what we're talking about the product of capitalism. I feel like there's enough good buzz for it that it'll they'll want to make more. Mm. Yeah, like it hit. It yeah, it feels like yeah. a hit. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. Yeah, I feel like people are talking about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So I think it'll. I mean, I mentioned this last time, but I just I don't know. I don't. I think that the the impetus for the show is kind of her like poor relationships. And yeah. I don't know how long they can carry that for, personally. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know if I want to see a second season. I think a second season, I think I'd be okay with. Mm-hmm. But anything further than that, I think it's too much, mm. personally. Yeah. What do you think, Karen? How long do you see it going for? Yeah, I mean, ideally, I would want it to be just one season. And it's nice. And we get, like, this nice little package. But maybe three. Yeah, I think three I can see is that. Yeah. a good number. I guess... I guess it's more sort of a, a curiosity as far as my perspective is concerned. Like, I just like, because it's like the book is the book, you know, it's mm-hmm. the text. There's an end to it and all that stuff. So it'll be like, it'll be interesting to see where they take it yeah. after that. I mean, they did it with Handmaid's Tale, you know? Yeah. Um, no, that's not a good example. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying they have a, a track record. But is know? this fan fiction? Is, is all reboot? Re- yeah, you know. All right, let's move in to the ratings on a scale of one to five broken televisions. What would you give it, Gabriel Chabran? I'm gonna give it four and a half. Okay, is that a is that more than you gave it last time? I don't remember. I think that's. About no, what I think you gave that's last yeah. I think yeah. we because I also gave it a four and a half. I think yeah. they all like unanimously agreed. Four and a half. Yeah. yeah, I go four and a half too. So, I guess more specifically about what I liked about the show mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about. I really liked the music. I thought the music was like a nice update. Quest Love. Quest Love. Music producer. I really dug Zoe Kravitz. I thought she pulled it off. I thought she, she held her own and she made it interesting. I think, I, think, uh, I think all the casting is pretty spot on. Yeah, all mm-hmm. the casting is really yeah. good. And then I like the look of the show. Like, if it oh, yeah. feels... Like they, I don't know. It was really mm-hmm. well shot. Like the set pieces are really good. Also, like I think High Fidelity, like the movie was also like the set pieces were also really good. Yeah. Like the world feels lived in. It doesn't feel like they're just yeah. It doesn't feel put like together. they're on a set. Yeah. Like, like you look in the corner and it's messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like so the color. maybe that that aspect is realistic in that mm-hmm. sense. Like you were, you know, to to counteract our earlier point. Yeah, they're just big rooms. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. And I'm also digging the fact that it's like, it's a modern take on something that already existed, but the show accomplished making it feel current and gender flipping it without feeling like it's pandering. Sure. No, I get that. I get that. But it it does make nods to the film. Sure. So, but you're saying it does it well. I'm saying it doesn't feel pandering in terms of like 
the representation. Yeah, so they do it effectively. Because, I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. they're nodding to the film. That could be a form of pandering, in a sense, right? Yeah. Or fan service. Or derivative, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying it's... Yeah. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it works. You're in. Me, at least personally. You're in. Mm-hmm. Anything else about the why you gave it that score? I just enjoy watching it, you yeah. know? I don't even... I. I I mean, I have a hard time given my sordid history with this, the whole, the, the title itself. It's hard to say like if I would or would not enjoy watching it, but I feel like I would still, even if I didn't have this pre-existing relationship mm-hmm. with it for some reason, you know? Yeah. Um, like it's almost like, like it's just well-made. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like um, you almost don't even need to watch. I think going in, dry is like just as good like yeah and then having no experience yeah, yeah yeah it might even be better that way and then maybe if you're so inclined to watch the movie after and then you can get all the nods mm-hmm. that it makes you yeah. know i agree yeah I, I like the main character and i think we talked about this last time but like she joins like the fleabag character yes. where but they're just like flawed women that yeah have not really existed in TV before. Yeah. Like they have the space to be flawed. Right. And we like them even though they're flawed. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I mentioned last time was I was curious to see before I watched it, like how a show like this would measure up with its contemporaries, like mm-hmm. Fleabag. Um, you guys mentioned she's, she's got to have, have it too. Have. Yeah. Uh, I guess Shrill to an extent. Um, yeah. But yeah, this one feels like it's its own thing. Like it, it accomplishes some things that, I think she's got to have it didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Like the you guys kinda, liked it or you didn't like it? It wasn't very good. Okay. Like I think pro- it was well made. Like the production value was really good. It's almost like are they making more or did they make more? There was they a, made second a second season. season. Okay, but it, it's almost like a one to one in some ways. Like it's about a snob, like a promiscuous. Yeah, snob. yeah. That's I've seen the movie. Yeah. yeah, but I don't but know. She's some more of likable. And also, some mm-hmm. of that felt pandery, like mm-hmm. in a way where it was just like. At this moment in time, we're going to talk about race now. And, but, like, and also... So we're going to talk about, you know, like, yeah. sexual identity or right. gender identity mm-hmm. whatever. But also with, like, She's Gotta Have It, it feels like how this one is Zoe Crap Rob is her name, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's flawed and, like, it's okay, but we like her. Enough. Like, she has a personality enough where, as an audience, we can make the decision to like her. Sure. Whereas, and She's Gotta Have It, the decision has made, like... You. is made for you yeah, right. like we have to be in love with her like they tell you like, that she, they like her. yeah everybody's head over heels for her and but like on screen we don't actually see why people yeah. love her so much she's just kind of like an asshole also yeah. it felt like a mouthpiece for like spike lee to just rattle off his favorite fucking i don't know like early yeah. hollywood movies or whatever she, did, oh, she yeah. just doesn't seem like she seems like an ideal not like an actual sure, person yeah. and true and and uh fleabag i think is fantastic it's one of the, mm-hmm. the greatest but i mean one of the things it's missing is it doesn't talk much about race and i'm mean, not that not that this show directly talks about it but that's it does, true it crafts the character in a way where like you know that it's she's apparent mixed or she's, yeah she's mm-hmm. biracial yeah and it you know like it it, it factors into the story somehow whether it's you know intentional or kind of subliminal, whatever it is, yeah, it 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 has a space for it to exist in a world where shrill or fleabag, and she's got to have it exist. Mm-hmm. I think with its compared to its contemporaries, it stands out on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or undone also. Yeah, flawed for sure. 
And then what I you were saying that, earlier, Karen, reminded me of what you said about Shrill, too, as well, with the boyfriend character. And you were like, why is she with this dude? Oh, yeah, because he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if that's on topic. Yeah. <laughs> he's just terrible, and we never come back from that as an audience. And sure. why, is, why are they still together in the second season? Right. Well, exactly. It gets, it gets better to you, right? So. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I I will watch it, and I think it addresses some of those it issues. It's very too. frustrating, though. Yeah, you just can't come from the first episode. He's yeah. he just can't come back. From yeah, that. the fans, all that the, stuff. Yeah, why, why did you bring it? Sorry, all over again. sorry. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think we're good. Right? Yeah, our top five. Our top okay, five. all right. Jeez. I'll go first. Oh. I'm kind of picking. These are Caesar's top five albums. That kind of tell a story about who I am, I guess. That's what I was hoping for. So, and I already gave you this cap, but Atmosphere had two albums that meant a lot to me. I'll count them as one. God Loves Ugly and When Life Gives You Lemons. It was like a lot about insecurity, a lot about like growing up. Those meant a lot to me in high school and like right after high school. Mm-hmm. And then there was another album called I By the Throat by Idea. It was like... It's kind of about death in a lot of ways, but it was like a breakup album for me right. a couple years ago. And then... Which one was a breakup album for you? I'm sorry. By the Throat. Okay. The idea one. Even though it's not Oh, about Idea that. and Abilities. Okay, yeah. But you still lost somebody. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> and then To Pimp a Butterfly, I think, is the most recent one that I'd add on that. Okay. Because it, it introduced me to the concept of like talking about race at like almost like an academic level. Right. But coming from where you come from or whatever. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it was just such a, it, it felt like poetry a lot of times because like I grew up in Compton and I don't know, it just felt, it was, it was a, it was a dope album. And then the last, probably the last one is In Rainbows by Radiohead. Right. It's probably one of my favorite Radiohead albums. I sure. listened to that a lot in high school. That was where like I started to get like indie sensibilities. Also, I should mention Idea and Atmosphere, they're underground rappers, so. Yeah. Um, what about you, Ken? It's very it was very hard for me to compile this list because I don't consume music like you guys do. Mm. Uh, I don't think I listen to whole albums. I just like like songs. Sure. And I forget the bands and I forget the titles of the songs and Fair enough. Uh so this is very hard for me to do. <laughs> yeah. But Laundry Service by Shakira. I was obsessed with it growing up. Okay. It was the first time like Shakira like crossed over from yeah. Spanish to English, right. and it was the first time that like I saw a pop star like do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so that was gap. yeah, bridge the gap and like still be really successful and like have all of these like adoring fans in the United States. Yeah. So as like a little girl, I was like, wow, like she's amazing. I like even try to belly dance. <laughs> I made my Same. mom buy me like these like this like skirt with like bells on it. Hell yeah. <laughs> because that's how obsessed I was nice. with Shakira. What was the other one? The MCR one? Yeah, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Is that pre Black Parade or yes. post? Okay. Pre. Pre. Okay. It's, I'm not okay. Okay. Isn't that, so yeah, with, with that album and my chemical romance in general, that's when I started like actually listening to music or right. like being cognizant of like i really like this yeah uh and then from under the cork tree fall out boy 
I have very bad taste. <laughs> no, please. Come on. Yeah, you, if you like what you like. Yeah. No. No, come on. Um, yeah, I was like, what about emo, that one? What about that kid. one? You were an emo kid. I, I was an emo kid, and I was like, wow, these guys are really sad. Were? Yeah. <laughs> were? Are. <laughs> now they're just rich. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. No, like, were an emo kid? I was an emo kid. You still are an emo kid. I'm he's, just a sad girl he, now. Yeah. <laughs> That's why she's so familiar with the sad boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm a sad girl. <laughs> yeah, I get it. A sad girl's attracted to sad boys. For sure. <laughs> but you're not a sad boy. I'm not. Unfortunately for me. So, yeah, Fall Out Boy from Under the Cork Tree. And then Hot Fuss from The Killers. Like, those three, I think, are, like, the albums that I, like, picked out. Yeah. And I listened to obsessively. For sure. Because that was, it was, like, 2003, 2004, era yeah. where i was in middle school and i'm like this is this is who i want to be yeah and then arctic Ar- arctic monkeys am that's like the college album yeah. that i listened to a lot really good college memories to that nice i would cool. add dr dre's 2001 oh i was obsessed the chronic i mean no the chronic 2001 yeah i was about to say the chronic the return <laughs> he should have called it that instead. All right, Gab, drop knowledge. Oh, jeez. Tell us your favorite records. Oh, this is painful. I don't know. What did I tell you? I told you. I found the list that I told you. You said it was. Oh, god. I mean, I kind of broke it down by certain decades, which is kind of similar to what you mm-hmm. you did. You were mentioning kind of points in your life. I mentioned the broken social scene record. You forgot it in the people. Uh, which was their first record it was an indie rock band from Canada. That was a huge deal uh, for me when it came out. Cause it was so like bombast and like, they were kind of like hippies and it was like sort of a commune thing. And like, it was just a lot of fun. I mentioned Radiohead Kid A because that was uh, like a kind of introduction to electronic music for me mm. in a sense. Yeah, that, Even sure. though they're technically a rock band, but it was like it kind of... They were playing with that. Sure. Okay, yeah. yeah, and especially apparent on that record uh, for, for that one. I mentioned the Joanna Newsom record. Also, she's like a... a a harpist singer songwriter, which mm. uh, she's great. Yeah, that's her first record. She's got a very distinctive voice. She sings really high, and it's almost some people describe it as sort of whiny. Huh. Mm. And so I think it was kind of like it's folk music, but it's like it was like the fact that it was like kind of punk, I guess, mm. in a sense, because it was like very different. But if I were to choose one another record of hers to switch out for that one it's like one like that record means a lot to me but the one i would probably choose like that i like listening to the most is probably have one on me which is that that one right there that black one with the white writing on it okay um which is like a double album and then uh so i have i, I think i mentioned dirty projectors on there as well as animal collective I mean, those are important records also, but you and I were talking today about the Beatles and I mentioned Paul McCartney's Ram and that's definitely a record that figured hugely for me, I guess, like in my later twenties. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it just reminds me of a certain kind of period in my life. 
Yeah, well, that's kind of why I wanted to do this because I feel like each of those albums that I picked will one give you a look into, I guess, who who I am based on that yeah. quote. Yeah. I also think that yeah, that they are kind of like it's more than anything. It captures who you were at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Not necessarily who you are. Yeah. So. So that's four. So then on that note, I would probably add uh, the Beastie Boys Hello Nasty oh, yeah. on there. Um, because, and that was, that actually coincides with the timeline of when I was reading uh, High Fidelity for the first time. Because oh, that mm. record came out when I was around 16 years old. Nice. And I was obsessed with the Beastie Boys yeah. um, at that stage in time. Not just like with their music, but like, like aesthetically yeah. and like kind like of everything they, they represented. Yeah. It's a good list, and I and I think I even at that point I was like looking back at their previous two records, which I really love a lot. Check your head and ill communication because those are the two records they recorded in L.A. But I think it wasn't only until recently that I realized how much more Hello Nasty is kind of superior to that Mm. record. So again, you kind of it's kind of your relationship with like looking back. You have these really important things, and it's kind of constantly sort of changing. Sure, Uh, and. There's a Hello Nasty song that plays in one nice. of these episodes mm-hmm. later on. I'm but, surprised you didn't include like Jenny Lou, isn't that your? Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's another one. I mean, Rabbit Fur Coat would be a good one too okay. as well. The first one or uh, was it Acid Tongue? Acid I Tongue. I, I think it's the second. I've never heard it. Um, you got mad. I've only heard of like two. Oh, dude, you guys things are missing you said. Oh, okay. I mean, I would add for me personally. We'll post it in add, the show notes, right? Wait. Yeah. Okay. We can post it in the show notes. Yeah. Just text me what it is. I would add Revolutionary Volume 2 because that's like when I started to like be political and moral technique. Yeah. Um, And then the one I left off was either Led Zeppelin 4 or yeah. Presence. Mm-hmm. Those are like the, 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 the basically the best Led Zeppelin songs are on each of those respective albums. Sure. According That's when to like, sh- I started liking rock a lot and like high school right. and middle school. Yeah. Um, tell us about Holly. You love rumors and oh, geez, Bob Marley's legends. No. I, uh, I, by the way, we didn't even talk about the rumors <laughs> scene in this. Oh yeah. I mean, do we have to, I don't know. It's rumors. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys think- listen to any other Fleetwood Mac besides rumors? Is there a need to? Yes, there is. <laughs> Bro. Dang. Please. I think that's a good place to end it. Okay. All right. Thank you for coming on. Listen thank to you Tusk. for inviting us into your home. Of course. Yeah, thank you. Thank of you course, for coming guys. on, Karen. Oh. I appreciate it. All right. You're welcome. Listen to rumors. Stream rumors. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>